Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about kids and reading, plus some favorite books of ours with Kelly Hiltz. But first, let's do some catching up. As always, Nicole, what's new? Uh, Last week, Shay woke up one morning with a bug bite on her face and one side of her face completely swollen. She looked like half chipmunk. It was so big. I, 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 Mark and I just looked at each other like, well. We're going. We're going to the to the pediatrician today, uh, and she was so cute. She's like, "I'm trying to smile, but my teeth can't touch." Like she was so swollen. So it's a good thing we took her in. It was an infected bug bite that had um, it had turned into cellulitis, and the pediatrician said it's good you brought her in because any type of infection in the head can get to the brain if it gets <gasps> bad enough. And I was like, "Okay, that's alarming." That so that is. was last week. Result. I mean, it's she's still on antibiotics. Today, I'm with a patient going on hour two that we were together. It was uh, it was it, it was time to be done. And um, I, I'm not the best at wrapping things up. And I see my phone start to ring with Piper's daycare's number. And I'm like, oh, that's not good when they're calling me in the middle of the day. So I ignore and I then finish up with my patient, look at my phone. And they had texted me pictures of Piper's eye, like completely swelled, like shut. It was not, I, and they were like, oh yeah, please call us as soon as possible. I didn't even call them back. I called the pediatrician right away, made an appointment for like an hour from then and um, arranged for our after-school babysitter to pick up the ba- pick up Piper, bring her to my work. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, okay, it's not as bad as I thought. I think she needs some Benadryl. Like I, I just, the pediatrician was clearly overbooked and I, I felt like they might be annoyed if I took her in. And I was like, I can always take her to the emergency department later. She was not in pain, blah, 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 blah. So we gave her some Benadryl. It seems to be going down, but I'm like between Shay last week and Piper this week with the swelling of the face. It's oh my well, what was gosh. wrong? With her? I don't know. I don't know. Doctor Nicole does not know. Oh um, so we'll see what tomorrow brings. But other than that, uh, perhaps it was my mom guilt. Um, hmm. Just voiced on on one of our recent episodes. But I've started planning the girls' birthday party. We're gonna do it at a nature center, and they're just gonna be a reptile, like a thirty minute reptile, like presentation thing. Oh, oh, fun! And they let you bring in food and alcohol, and so it's gonna hopefully be yeah funish. And other than that, just trying to enjoy summer. Finally, we've got a little bit of summer going on here and <laughs> it's been lovely. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I can't believe that it's already basically August. And, you know, when I this know. comes out, it will be August, I think. And yeah. yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, this summer, you know, and I've had oh, my, gosh. my issues this summer with our family overall, just everything that's going on. I feel like a big chunk of our summer we just missed. I have this whole list of things I want to do and we probably got to half of it, but that's okay. There's going to be plenty mm. more summers in the future. So all is well. <laughs> what what else is new other than summer blasting past? Yes. Okay. So we decided not to get a cat just at least for now. I bought, I've already purchased all the cat things. We will get a cat eventually. And I'm actually excited about getting a cat, but our parenting coach, when I told her <laughs> we were getting a cat, she looked at me and she goes, Gina, I will never understand why parents who are going through a hard time decide to 
always add more pressure to themselves and do things like getting a cat. And I'm like, okay, point made. I have heard you. Thank you. We will not get a cat, at least for now. So until things really start to get better, which they already are, I will say after 16 hours of parent boot camp, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say our life is turning back on the right side after being flipped, turned upside down. It's getting better, much better. I can finally breathe. I just, everything is just calm. It's good. Uh, Still going to wait on getting a cat. Probably, maybe that'll be a a Christmas gift. We will see. Uh, Let's see. Um, Oh gosh, I made a huge parenting mistake that I'd never made before. I, I went, we were going to a birthday party last Sunday and, you know, Paige got all dressed up. We were excited, got the birthday present in our hand, walked to the party. It's at a park and I'm walking. Everyone's staring at me as we're walking. I'm like, what is the big deal? We, we get there. The party started at two. We got there at four. I thought it started at four. They were wrapping up. I was like, is the party over? (laughs) Yes, it is, Gina. So embarrassing. Uh, but thankfully there was still cake left. So, you know, that's really all that Paige really, really cared about. Let's be honest. Yeah, that was a, a, a minor, a minor parenting fail, but no guilt here. That's funny. And then lastly, just trying to fit in all my summer things. So the next three weeks, I just based on the list that I have of things that I want to do, we want to visit a local ice cream shop called Velvet. That's about an hour away. We want to go to a Clippers game. That's our local baseball. It's not professional. It's what semi pros. Um, I think, gosh, hopefully no one gets out of me. I'm, I'm pretty sure that isn't that like, it's not, you know, the NBA or not. Oh my gosh. I'm terrible. Not NBA, not NFL. What's the, what's baseball? NBA, NBA, NLB. And what is it? NLB. NLB. What is NLB. National. What uh, national baseball. League, baseball. NBL. Yeah. So it, whatever. No. You get NBA, it. It's, it's in between. Thank you. I'm glad that you don't know either because I really don't know what it is, but it's not, they're not the pros. I want to say it's the semi pros, you know, it's your local, um, whatever. I need to stop talking. It's a Clippers game. Look them up. <laughs> Columbus Clippers. Jeez. <laughs> and then we want to oh, go MLB. To- it's not an N it's an M MLB major league baseball, major league baseball. We just lost 30% of our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> if my husband listened to this right now, he would be mortified. <laughs> I speak hockey. I do not speak baseball. I so speak funny. zero. <laughs> zero sports, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, anyway, we want to go to a Clippers game. Uh, we wanted to go to Kings Island, which which is a local amusement park. Not local. It's in Ohio. It's about an hour and a half away. So we'll try to do that. We want to go rock climbing in an, like an indoor rock climbing facility. And then we want to do miniature golf. So those are just some things that we've got three weeks to accomplish. And we'll see what we can do. That's about it. Nothing else real exciting going on over here. All right. So before we begin our interview with Kelly, just a quick favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please write us review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people. And we are still doing our giveaway. We are giving away an Instapot and the winner of our Instapot will be given, will be announced next week on next Sunday on our episode. So you have between now and then, actually I would say now on about Friday of next week, to write us a review and you'll be entered to win an Instapot. Um, you can look back at our Instagram post from last week from our Q&A episode to see more details about how to enter 
and a picture of the beautiful Instapot that we're giving away. And again, that is really to celebrate our 100th, uh, 100th episode last week. All right. Now, without further ado, actually, before we get into our into our interview, just a little background about Kelly Hilt. So I, quote unquote, met Kelly back in the day when I had a blog and she had a blog. Uh, we've already actually, we were talking about this earlier. I thought it was 20 years ago. Gosh, I'm, I'm aging myself. I'm not that old. It was actually just 12 years ago. So we bonded virtually sort of like Nicole and I did, sort of like we did. Mm-hmm. Kelly is a kindergarten teacher and a mom to two boys, ages seven and four. So almost identical to ours. Kelly lives and works in two different Boston suburbs. She's been teaching kindergarten for 14 years. Woo! Kelly introduces children and their parents to public school and teaches all subjects. She also has her master's degree in reading and language and has spent a lot of summers and after school hours tutoring elementary school aged children. Kelly's teaching passions include building excitement and enthusiasm for school and learning, reading to and with students and communicating with parents. She's been a guest on the Mom Hour twice. Uh, the, the episodes are Kindergarten Readiness and Parent-Teacher Relationships. That was her, their Voices episode 23. And Freaking Out Less About Kindergarten, COVID Learning Loss and Elementary School Academics, which was their Voices episode 60. Outside of teaching, she loves to read, swim, and explore new places with her family. So now, without further ado, we'll bring on Kelly. Okay, so today I, Gina, am with Kelly Hiltz. I actually don't know Kelly personally, but I, Kelly, I swear how, we've probably known each other virtually for what, like 20 years? Yeah, it's going to be up there, at least 15. Okay. When did you have your blog? I know um, you still have one. 2008. Oh yeah. No, I don't write it anymore. Uh, okay. Well, I have a different one, but yes. Okay. Um, probably like 2008, 2009. So. Okay. So it's been, you know, 12 years. We'll give it that because I think I started my blog back in 2005. But yes, we've never met, but we've definitely been corresponding back and forth for many years. So I'm so happy that you're here on the podcast. And because Nicole isn't here, I'm just going to explain to you why we've had some technical difficulties. What a shock when you have a podcast. (laughs) That's just what happens. So it's just me and Kelly today. All right, we're going to jump right in. So growing up, my mom always told me, Kelly, that I need to read more. And here's my first question. Was she right? And why, if she was right, why is reading so good for young brains? Okay. She was right. Although I'm, I hate to say this about your mom, but she was wrong in her approach to getting you to do it, which I'll get to later. Um, But she's right. Reading is really great. Um, Number one, kids just learn so much from books. So they're able to explore places they haven't been Um, build connections with the characters in the story, develop empathy for people who might have a different experience than them. Um, If you're reading a nonfiction book, then you're learning some facts about whatever you're reading about. Say it's sharks. Now you've learned more about sharks, which is great. Um, You'll probably hear people say, you know, it improves kids' vocabulary and language skills. That's very true, obviously. I think the first thing I said is the most important, but that's also important Um, It's a great thing to do in your spare time. You know, kids are always looking for something to do to kind of get out of our hair. And Mm -hmm. normally they want to, you know, jump on an iPad or watch something on TV, which, you know, isn't bad, but obviously reading is slightly better. Um, And I also think it can be really calming for kids and adults. Um, I don't know about you, but I read before bed to kind of like help myself get sleepy. And I think that can work really well for kids, too. 
um, or just calm them down. Like think about your kids when they were, you know, young toddlers, if they were kind of freaking out about something, I bet you sometimes pulled out a book and started reading to them sort of like, or like singing a song, you know, that kind of idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually currently, so I love, I, that's what I do. So if I read during the day, it's, it's actually kind of, I don't know, there's pros and cons to how my brain works. If I read during the day, I just get tired and sleepy and will literally pass out. <laughs> I, I, I can't read during the day unless I'm standing and walking around. Um, but that's, that's also kind of a nice thing because it actually lulls me to sleep at night. So I do agree. And I try yeah. to tell Paige that too, whenever she can't sleep, pick up a book and read. And of course she says, I don't want to read. Nah. <laughs> yeah. but I think one day she'll understand. Yeah, I think she will. I think she will. All right. So the question we all want to know, how do we raise kids who want to read or who actually enjoy reading? And if you could just give a few tips for parents, you know, two or three tips, what would they be? Okay. So I think the first one is um, reading to your kids first and continuing that even when they know how to read. Because I think um, a lot, most of us do this, right? I mean, if you read any sleep books when your kids are little, it's like develop a bedtime routine and include a book and things like that. So I think a lot of parents do that naturally. But then when the kids start kind of being able to read on their own or developing their own more independent bedtime routine, that gets kind of pushed to the wayside. So I think it doesn't have to be a bedtime, but I just think if you have some sort of routine, it could be, you know, right after lunch every day um, or at breakfast. Like some people read to their kids while they're eating breakfast. My mornings are way too rushed for that. So that's not what we do, but you know, you have to figure out what, where it works in your house. But I think if you read to your kids, it gets them really excited about books and reading, even if they never or don't for a very long time really choose to read on their own. So I think that would be my first one is just to keep reading to them. Mm-hmm. Um, And then the second one is just making books available in your house, in your car. Um, You could go to the library and get new books. I just think most kids get excited about new books, Mm -hmm. um, even if they're library books. So I think if you just have a lot of books around your house, that can really help them get excited. Um, And then I would say when your child is reading on their own, let them choose. And even when you're reading to them. Let them choose the books that they want to read, no matter how ridiculous you think they are. Um, I am tested by this all the time, especially with my second child. He wants to read like basically only superhero books, but and and a couple of other things that are also not great. Um, <laughs> but I think you just have to honestly, I read I mean, I'm sure like a lot of people in my generation, I read straight like Babysitter's Club and Sweet Valley High books. Oh, and yeah. Now I still love reading and I teach kids to read. Like, I mean, it's fine, you know? <laughs> right. So I think we have to kind of like take away our own agenda when it comes to our kids reading. Um, and then I would also say, just don't push your child too much. So that's what I kind of mentioned earlier when you said your mom would tell you to read more, read more. Um, I think you really need to play it cool when it comes to your kids reading, like almost act as though you don't really care if they read or not, because the more you act as though it's like the most crucial thing they do, the less they're going to want to do it, especially as they get older and sort of their rebellious side comes out. And some kids are like that starting, you know, at one. So um, I would say you really need to kind of like play it cool and just have books around and read yourself 
but don't like constantly be telling them to read and signing them up for like every possible reading program and trying to like say like I'll give you three dollars if you read you know like any kind of you know bribery for reading I feel like is not and by the way I'm fine with bribery for other things but I just don't think for reading it's the best way I think you really need to kind of play it cool and just act like it's not a huge deal to you but have the books around and kind of be doing things in the background to help them want to read. Yeah. So in other words, it's best if they're intrinsically motivated versus externally motivated by by yes. you. And, and yes. plus having a parent say, read, read, read is just not good external motivation anyway. And I right. completely agree. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you guys talk about this on the podcast. It's like food. Like the more you are like forcing your kids that this is so crucial, the more they're going to be like, no, I'm not doing that. Like it's a control thing for them, you know? Absolutely. So you just have to sort of like have the books, read to them, you read yourself, but don't act like it's something that like is just so crucial for them to do. I am curious. What do you think about, I don't know what, what they do where you are, but you're in Boston, correct? Yes. Okay. Outside of Boston. Yeah. Do they have like summer library um, like book clubs where you have to read a certain amount of books and then you get, you get a prize at the end of the summer or throughout the summer? Yes, they do. do. You have, do you like that? So I think that is okay if your kid is into it, but if your kid doesn't want to do it and you are forcing them, Uh then I don't think it's a good plan. Yeah. And I feel sort of the same way about reading logs that teachers, I don't know if you've run into this yet, um, but sometimes teachers will give a reading log as homework, like read for 15 minutes and write here what book you've read. I think if a kid likes that and that really helps them, Like I track what I read on Goodreads, so I'm not against tracking what you read. But I think for most kids, having to write the book that they read is just going to push them over the edge into a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like those type of things are only good if it's the kid motivated. Like if the kid goes to the library and is like, oh, what's that summer reading program? And then they're like, yeah, I want to do that. Like, sure, of course, do it. Great. But Mm -hmm. don't force your kid. Yeah, no, I love that answer. I think that's so true. And And I just kind of, I noticed, you know, we had a, a summer reading club group or activity, I guess, through through our library, our local library. And I and I mentioned it to Paige and told her about it. And I could tell she was interested, but not overly interested. So I kind of made up my own at home that was outside of the library. So and I, I think she it was more tangible to her and it meant a little bit more to her. And it was a little bit less pressure, I think, because I just said basically read two books a week and then, you know, you get this little prize at the end of the week. And it was just two books. Yeah. They were small. I mean, she's not, you know, into like chapter books yet. So that's not that big of a deal. And it was just more tangible for her, easier to do, easier to understand. And she's been doing it. So I. Yeah. And I think stuff like that, again, if she's excited about it, you know what your kid likes, you know what little prize she might want at the end and things like that. Then I think it works. But once the kids start fighting against that, then I feel like it's like, nope, don't do it. Stop. You know? It's funny. I can so remember actually, cause I grew up here as well. And the, at the library, we had a Dairy Queen right down the street and our library mm. would give out gift cards at the end of the summer. If you read, I don't know, like 20 books over the summer, you would get a free banana split. Literally that is all I cared about. All I cared yes. about was the banana split. I don't even know if I actually paid attention to the books I read. I just wanted that banana split. So I can yeah. also see it backtracking there. I don't know if it actually served the, the purpose, but yeah, I but I don't think it did anything wrong if you were right. excited about it. Whereas if you were like, this is torture, then you might not want to pick up a book later. Yeah. Um, and so then that's not good. 
which, oh my gosh, I could get, I could get into this. What, a, well, this, I'll ask this question at the end, but it has to do with um, basically high school book uh, lists, like what you should get, have to read in high school or middle school, like where they get these books and how it really doesn't make you love to read the books I had to read in high school. Anyway, I'll, we'll get into that. So hard. So uh, hard. I feel like we try so hard in elementary school to get, cause I'm a kindergarten teacher. We okay. try so hard to get the kids to love reading and a lot of them do. And then you go to high school and not, no one does like myself included a person who's always loved reading. Yeah. Those books are, I, it's, I do it's think terrible. it's getting a little bit better for any high school teachers out there listening and being like, whoa, um, I do think it's getting better. I think really? that high school teachers are doing a better job of weaving in more current, applicable to the kids mm-hmm. type of books. And I don't even think it's really the high school teacher's fault. I think it's the curriculum. Sure. And so I think they're slowly changing that curriculum away from like very strong classics, which I just think are really hard. I just don't think your brain is developed enough in high school to really truly appreciate the classics. In fact, reading those books made, made me hate reading. I could, I would appreciate them more now. I would have much preferred my teachers say, okay, you know, here are 10 options, pick what you want. That, that I think makes more sense. I do think that's happening more now. That's good. That's good. Cause they did that in fifth grade. I remember that. I remember very, very well. I remember being able to choose what book I read. And then we went to high school and all of a sudden it was like, no, you have to read Jane Austen, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I do think there's probably still some you have to read, but I do think they're trying to weave in some more current ones. Yeah. I'm hopeful. All right. So here's the question of the day. If you have a child who, if you suspect your child hates to read, do you think that they are doomed? And, And just what are some some tips for a child that you have who really not just struggles, but just really kind of pushes um, against the idea of, of reading for fun or just reading in general. Okay. Well, first of all, I think it's really hard to actually determine that you have a child who hates to read until maybe you have a grown child and this is continued for their entire life. And then, okay, I'll hand it to you. They probably hate to read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I also think that a lot of people have like a first, you know, I think both of us have kids going into second grade. Um, actually, no, she's going into first grade, isn't she, right? Yeah, Paige is, yep. Yes, okay. So Paige is going into first, Max is going into second, my older one. And I think this age, parents get very like, oh no, my kid hates to read. And it's like, no, it's just still really hard for them right now. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing I would say is don't get discouraged if it seems like your child isn't really like liking reading yet. And I have to remind myself of this sometimes um, it's just hard for them still at this age. So they're not, it's hard to really enjoy it when it's still so, when they're still so focused on like just actually reading the words. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think first of all, don't get discouraged and immediately think that your child hates to read. <laughs> but then if your child does really dislike reading, I would say, no, they're not doomed. I definitely think that there are very successful people out there. I'm sure we all can name a few who really don't read much, read enough to get through school, and now are very successful adults and probably work in maybe math or um, finance or (laughs) something where um, science and math are more what their strengths are. And you know what? I'm sure they're extremely successful. So I don't think that they are doomed in life. Um, I do think there are some ways that you can get your child to like reading a little bit more. one of them is if they are struggling with reading, I, 
advocate for them to get extra help at school, you know, check in with their teacher and make sure that they're where they should be for their grade. And I think part of that is too, like we're asking kids to read much earlier than we were asked to read as kids. But the problem is if they struggle, so, so I guess my, you know, you don't need to be able to read by the end of kindergarten, but if um, you start to get into first grade and reading is still tough for them, kids around them are going to be reading more. They're going to be exposed to harder texts and they're going to feel like it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. So definitely advocate for your child to get the help that they need at school. If, if it's hard for them, if they, if they're fine at reading, but they just don't enjoy it, then I would just continue to read to them. I would say do that even if they do like reading, because I just think that kids enjoy that more because it's less difficult and it's a connection with you. Like it's a way to get your attention in a positive way, not in a negative way. Um, and then I also think audiobooks can be really great for some kids. Um, so I think that, you know, K one, two is a great time to introduce. I mean, I, you know, my kids listen to uh, Pete the Cat and Groovy Joe and stuff like that in this little CD player thing that they had when they were in preschool. But when you get into the K one, two years, they can listen to chapter books and longer books on an audiobook. Um, and it's great. Like I have had times where my son disappears for an hour listening to an audiobook. Like what a great thing to be doing for an hour. So he got really into it by listening to the Magic Treehouse books. And those are great for audiobooks because the library literally has um, like book one through five on one audio book. So you take that one out of the library on your phone or however, and they can just listen to like it will take them an hour to listen to one. It's amazing. And and so you said on your phone or on a CD? So, yeah, so my, so we have like one of those little, like, it's like, you know, they probably got it at like TJ Maxx. I think my mother-in-law got it for the boys. Um, it's like a little CD player, but CDs are not great for a couple of reasons. Number one, nobody really has CDs anymore, although the library does. So that's one thing. Um, but also like my kids scratched up all the CDs and kind of destroyed that because they used it in their preschool years. So I was sort of, I wanted to get my son into audiobooks, my older one, but I was kind of freaked out by the technology. And finally I was like, you know what? I have audiobooks on my phone. Why don't I just give him my phone for an hour? It's good for me to not have my phone for an hour. And it's not a problem. Like he just puts it up on his desk and he kind of like jumps around his room while he listens. Okay. So I use, um, you can either use like the overdrive or the Libby app on your phone, which would be also how you might get adults, adult books from the library. If you have a Kindle or something like that. Um, and then you just literally get the book from the library. It's free. You got it. And then you press play and it's playing for your kid. So they don't really need to be able to do anything on your phone. Okay. Okay. I really like that idea. I think, I think Paige would actually really, really enjoy that. And I don't know why I've never thought I listen to audiobooks myself. Why wouldn't I think to yeah. honestly, it's just giving my, giving my phone to Paige. That's really what gives me hesitation, but I shouldn't hesitate to do that. Right. I, I mean, idea. yeah. And my son has an iPad. I could do it on there, but I, I have, maybe the fear that you might have with the phone, which is that he'll switch to something else after. Uh -huh. And I'm like, no, that's what I'm trying to get you off of. <laughs> right. Um, so that's why I do my phone. And I don't think he really has thought of the idea of like going to something else on my phone. Cause what like would be that interesting for him on my phone. So. Right. True. Okay. Yeah. I, I had the Libby app and I, and I really enjoy it. Cause I, you know, yes. I connect it to my library card and it's just really convenient. Yes. So that's a yes. recommendation. Yeah. 
Okay, so you sort of alluded to this a little bit at the beginning. If, if my child only likes to read one type of book, such as superheroes, for example, or for, you know, Cameron, he's really into dinosaurs and he also really likes to look at comics, which I hate to read. He always wants me to read him comic books. And I truthfully don't even know how to read a comic book. I, I, I don't know why he enjoys them. I'm just, oh, I, I despise it. Um, but for, for the child who tends to only read the same types of books over and over again, maybe like an older child specifically, like maybe in first to third grade, is that okay? Or what are your thoughts on that? I do think it's okay. Um, I understand what you're saying about when you're reading it to them, it's just going to be way worse for you because you're going to have to read the, and and it's true, like reading comic books is awful. Mm. Um, and the graphic novels, like the kids all love them, which is great. I love that the kids love them, but I don't really want to read them because it's, it's challenging. Yeah. Um, so, and also it's just like not really my thing. So that's another problem when your kids and your tastes aren't the same and you have to read them to them. So that's, that can be a problem. And I think when the kids are younger, that's when like, okay, we're going to go to the library and we're going to pick some books and say they want to pick like five dinosaur books. Okay. Let's pick one that's not dinosaurs and also get that just to kind of like help them branch out when they're older though. I would honestly just let them pick what they want. I'm telling you that I really did live on babysitters club in sweet Valley high. I'm not sure that I read much else from like third to fifth grade. And my mom did not, I will give her so much credit. She did not say a word um, about it. And I eventually read other things. <laughs> yeah. And, and me too. I, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, those are also in the boxcar, boxcar children. Is that yes, what I liked those too. So good. And yeah, now I, I read just about, just about everything I would say. And truthfully, as I'm asking these questions, I mean, I know I'm the perfect example of someone who I would say when I was a kid, I truly did not enjoy reading. I never would have thought in a million years that I would grow up craving a book in my hand. Um, so that so gives that's me hope. something to remind you. Yeah. You're <laughs> yeah. to remind yourself of for sure. Yeah. All right. And, and I also would say, I think what you said at the beginning was, is so true. I think part of my disdain for reading as a younger child was a, I didn't like the books that were recommended to me or that I was forced to read and B, my mom, I don't want to use the word nagging, but I think she did often pressure me to just keep reading. And I know in the back of her mind, she was thinking exactly what I'm thinking. She was thinking, well, the more you read, the more vocabulary words you'll know, the better you'll do on SATs. I think she was thinking long term and I totally respect that and understand it. But in the long run, it wasn't helpful for me. And so I learned from her what not to do. It's extremely, yeah, it's extremely well-intentioned. Like we all want our kids to read, of course. Yes. But um, I just think like with anything, pushing it is just not going to help. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With anything. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about different age groups and just have you give some basic tips and book recommendations or series recommendations Okay. Uh, that you have for those different age groups. Now, I will put, you sent me a whole great list uh, via email, which I will definitely put in our show notes, but do you want to just kind of give your maybe top one or two in each age group? Yeah, sure. Um, so first, a quick disclaimer. This also goes for the ones in the show notes. The ages that I'm giving out are approximate. Obviously, you have to see what level your kid is at and also just what your comfort level is. This is especially true as you get to the older grades. I think a book that I think is completely appropriate for my kid when he's in fifth grade, you might disagree. So obviously, like at least read the back or 
Google the book and make sure you agree with me. Um, so starting with preschool, I think the biggest tips are, again, just reading to them, making it part of your routine. Um, and also it's that preschool is a great time to start a library habit if you can. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, I get very overwhelmed by the library. I don't know about you, but, like, I'm a bit a busy person. It's just hard to always go to the library. Um, but if you can get in a habit of going, even if it's just, like, once a month, you visit the library on a Saturday afternoon and get, grab a bunch of new books. Um, or if I actually found it a little bit easier when my kids were in preschool to just request a bunch of books and pick them up myself because otherwise my kids wanted to play with, like, all the toys of the library and it became, like, a three-hour adventure. Um, so I think I think this is a good time to start a library habit, however it works for you. Um, a couple of the books that um, I really love in preschool, um, the Pete the Cat series is great for this age. It's kind of like song and book. Um, there are these great books. Um, Press Here is one of them. It's like an interactive book. So you open it up and it says... Um, like press the yellow dot and the kid has to like press it. And then it like turns yeah. the dot red. Uh-huh. And then it's like, Ooh, good job. Now press it three times. And then it makes the dot like three on the next page. So it's kind of like interactive for the kids, which I think is really fun for that age. And there's a couple more by that same author as well. Um, and then my son really loves, cause I mentioned he loves superheroes. My, my younger one, Jack. Um, the good morning Superman. And then I think it's like bedtime Batman is the other one by Michael Dahl. Mm. Um, so those are really fun, like superhero books that I think are not, when you think of superhero books, it's kind of like that comic or some of them are just like really long and you're like, Whoa, what am I getting into here? These are like short preschool appropriate, but they include Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, like people that the kids know. Now is so Michael Dahl, Rawl, Rawl Dahl's son or something? Or is that just I don't know if there's a relationship. Okay. It is the same spelling, it looks like. So perhaps, yeah. but I don't know. Because that's not a common last name. I, I know. I never I'll heard have of to it. look that up. Okay. Not sure. Yeah. So those are preschool. You know, and, can I add one more? What about yeah, the, sure. I, something that I love? And I was just thinking about this. Those polka dot books. Do you know what I'm talking about? They have... It's like a little bubble and you have to press it down and it makes this popping noise. Oh, I don't know that I know those. Oh, I'll have to put this in the show notes. So, okay. I will tell you our babysitter when Paige and Cameron were were infants through uh, age three until they went to preschool gave us one of these books. And at first I was like, this is so dumb, but (laughs) it is actually really cool. So it's, it's a book, you know, it tells a story and then each page the kid has to like push down and make this popping noise. And then when you push it down and you turn the page, the next page that you open, the, the pop is up. So you have to push it down again. It's really hard to explain, uh, but it makes a loud, fun noise. And there's yeah, the, and that kind of thing, like I was talking about with press here, like I just think it's kind of like how babies love those lift the flap books. Like mm-hmm. preschoolers still like that interactive, either a repetitive text that they can learn and kind of say with you which is like the Eric Carl books and things like that. Um, Or they, or something totally interactive like that. You know, even like um, Usborne has those, like um, my son had a bandaid one where you like put the bandaid on the animals. Like, Oh my God, perfect for preschoolers. You know, like Uh they just are like, yes, I will put the bandaid on. This is my (laughs) ideal thing. And also can I have a bandaid while I'm at it? (laughs) Um, so anything like that, I think is really good for preschool. Just to keep them excited about books. Mm -hmm. 
All right. The next, what's the next group? I don't have these written down, yeah. so you're just going to oh, take okay. it from here. I do. I'll keep going. Okay. Um, okay. So kindergarten and first grade, this is a really crucial time for developing reading, loving reading in that I feel like it's a time when you can sort of make or break things if you pressure too much at this time. So the kids are going to start learning, quote unquote, how to read in kindergarten, but they're not going to be able to just like pick up a book, even off the easy reader's shelf, most likely, and read it to you. Right. right. So you have to just kind of like take a step back and sort of just let the teacher do it. And if, you know, if the teacher says like, oh, can you work on these sight words or, you know, they really need to work on their letters, like, cool, work on that Mm -hmm. through games and make it fun. But don't, you know, pull out a book every night and ask them to read it, because I think that's sort of where they start getting frustrated. Starting with, I just want to give a really important PSA. When you go to like Barnes and Noble or whatever your local bookstore is and look in the easy reader section, those are not kindergarten books. Those are most likely like middle to end of first grade books, even though they say easy readers level one. Oh, that so, makes me feel so much better, Kelly. That because it always <laughs> frustrates me. I'm like, wait, Paige can't read that, you know, no. last year. Easy no. reader, but she's been reading for a year and she still can't read that. No, because she can't because that's not she shouldn't be able to like okay. that's not I don't understand why this has not been remedied yet. It's been bothering me for the last 15 years that I've been teaching, but I'm a little busy teaching to like fix the whole <laughs> industry. But it's just like really I, it just drives me absolutely crazy. The books that they're reading at school are these like extremely predictable, very hard to find in libraries and bookstores. I don't know why. Um, And it will be like, literally it will say on the page, like this is a greenhouse in the next Mm -hmm. page. This is a blue house. And the Mm -hmm. house will be very blatantly blue on the paper so they can use the picture. They don't even have to read the word blue. Um, That is what they're reading in kindergarten. So if you then ask them to read an easy reader book, they're just going to be like, what? Um, so I think that's the first thing. If you are going to try to find books for them, which you could go to the library and ask, and some do, there's a couple of libraries near me and one has books that I would consider kindergarten books. Um, but just keep in mind, like if they have to even sound out more than, let's say two words per page, the book is too hard. Oh, okay. It's too hard. Um, especially in kindergarten, maybe in first grade, they could, you know, sound out a few more words because sounding out is going to be easier for them at that point. But really, it should be like sight words and maybe a couple of words that they have to sound out. One series that I do recommend, actually, is the Bob books. Have you heard of those? Uh-uh. Um, you can, I think you can buy them on Amazon. How do you spell it? Bob, B-O-B. Oh. Okay. No, I've not yeah. heard of those. Um, they're very, like, uh, phonet, you know, phonetically predictable. Like, it would be like, I see a cat. Um, the cat is sad or whatever, you know, so you can really sound it out. Mm-hmm. Those, I think, even even some of the harder ones of those would be too hard for a kindergartner. But if you start at like the basic level of those, you probably won't frustrate your kindergartner. Maybe if you at least start in the middle of kindergarten. Um, and they're not the most fun books. Like that's the other thing of why it's so crucial to not like force your kid to read too much at home in these early grades, because the books that they're reading are really boring. And they're going to be like, oh, books are boring. Like I'm mm-hmm. good. So if you just keep reading to them, and again, you can work on the skills if you want to, if need be, or just let them learn it at school. Um, But I don't think you need to have them independent reading every night at home. Okay. Oh, that's so good to know. 
take the pressure off the parent. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely do that. And then, um, I was going to say, but I kind of already mentioned it, but I'll just throw it in again. This is a good time to introduce long, longer audiobooks. Um, cause then they're listening to you, listening to a book, but you don't have to be reading it constantly. <laughs> okay. Love that. Um, all right. So I have a whole list of books for this age because this is the grade that I teach kindergarten and I have a first, I have a kid who just finished first grade. Um, but I think a couple of read alouds that are really good. Um, we don't eat our classmates mm-hmm. by Ryan Higgins is a really fun, like kind of beginning of the year. Like if you're looking for like a back to school book, it's sort of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm really, I really love some really good nonfiction read alouds for this age. Um, May Among the Stars. It's about um, May Jempson, who is a um, astronaut. Mm. So it's a um, nonfiction book about her. And then Shark Lady, um, which is about, I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but um, a scientist who studied sharks and it talks all about her. My kids really like those books as read aloud. So they would not read those books. Okay. Like that they would, you would read them to them. Um, and then for some good beginning readers or early chapter books um, that, and again, this is going to be like, so uh, for one that I really like is the elephant and piggy series, which you've probably heard of maybe. No, by I Williams. Okay. You have to get these because okay. I, I bet you that Paige has, because I think most kindergartners and like once she's finished kindergarten now. Um, so like one's called let's go for a drive. Um, there's one called like elephants can't dance. There's several in the series okay. and they're basically this elephant and this pig and they have, it actually sort of has a comic element to it because they're mostly speech bubbles between the two things. But honestly, a lot of kids can read those at the end of kindergarten. They're not exactly what I just described as far as like, this is a red house. <laughs> um, but especially if you read them to them first a few times um, a lot of kids can read those kind of like end of kindergarten, beginning of first grade, even though okay. technically their reading level is a little bit higher, but there there's picture support and they're just very motivational to the kids. So those are really fun. Um, and then another series that's pretty fun for early books is um, the Fly Guy books. Okay. Um, so the first one's called High Fly Guy. Um, and those are, those are really fun, but again, technically speaking, those are end of first grade books, even maybe beginning of second. Okay. Um, but again, like maybe at the beginning of first, some kids could read it if it's been read to them a few times. Okay. Um, and then once they start getting into early chapter books, there's a great series called Ling and Ting, not exactly the same. Um, that's the first book it's by Grace Lynn, who's a really great author. A lot of her books are good. Um, and I like those books. They're still, they're definitely end of first grade, beginning of second. Um, but they're still they're They still have some, basically, I guess what I'm saying is you can tell that she sort of knows how to teach kids about reading because like even her choice of names for the characters, Ling and Ting, the mm-hmm. kids learn about the sounds ing in first grade. Um, so like she doesn't pick a, a name that they're just never going to be able to read. And she kind of, picks words that they're going to be able to read in that series as well, I feel like. Um, So that's a really good one for end of um, first grade, beginning of second. So, and I'll give some more in the show notes. Okay. So then moving into second and third grade, again, continue to read to them if they're still into it, choose books you both enjoy. You're going to be able to read them books that they're still not going to be able to read on their own. And they may really enjoy the story of. 
Um, and then what I've said like five other times, just keep allowing them to choose their own independent books at this point okay. if they're reading on their own. Okay. Um, so another series for second graders, um, I just read this one to my class and I've read it to my son, but I think they could start reading it maybe like end of second grade is Zoe and Sassafras, Dragons and Marshmallows. So this is like a really cool girl, Zoe, who um, really likes animals and she does like science um, experiments, basically not like on the animals, but there's like an element of magic to it. So it's just kind of fun in that way. Um, And then my son just finished listening to, but again, I think at the end of second grade, maybe you could read on your own, the Dory Phantasmagory series. He really liked that. Um, and then last one I'll say for this age is um, Ricky Ricotta's Mighty Robot. Um, this is by the same author who does the Captain Underpants series. Ah. Um, but it's a little bit like it's for a little bit younger kids. I've had really good luck with like second grade boys who are not very happy about reading, reading these books because um, they're chapter books. So they feel like, OK, I'm reading like a big kid book. Awesome. Um, but then they have this sort of comic element, but it's not every page. So you read a couple of pages and then the comic starts and they're kind of like fighting each other. And there's like an element of, you know, like stuff that boys really love, um, a little violent, but (laughs) so just watch out if you, but I'm kind of like of the mindset that like, if they're reading, it's good. So, um, I've gotten some reluctant readers to like, uh, the book, like reading on their own because of that series. So I think that's a good one. And then for fourth and fifth grade, same tips apply. You can still read to them if they're willing and let them choose. Um, I don't have a ton of experience with this age. So I asked my friend Amber, who teaches fifth grade. She is Iowa Amber Reads on Instagram. So if you want to get some other book recommendations, I highly recommend following her. Um, she told me a couple that she really likes, and I'll just mention a few that I know as well. Um, she said that the Babysitter's Club graphic novels are very popular with that age, which made me really happy because (laughs) as discussed, I loved them growing up. So I was like, oh yes, okay, we got to recommend that. Um, I didn't even realize they had turned them into graphic novels, but that's amazing. Yeah, me either. Um, but they have, yeah. So, I mean, they still have the other books, but then they also have the graphic novels, which I think might be more related to the TV series that there is now, but I'm not sure about that. Okay. Um, so that's kind of a good one to check out, um, with fourth and fifth graders. Um, and then, um, there's a book called the one and only Ivan, um, which also has a sequel, the one and only Bob. Um, and I haven't actually read this book myself, but I'm currently reading a middle grade book right now where they reference this book and talk about how much they like it. And like the character in the book talks about it. So I was like, okay, well, that's obviously a good one. And my friend said that her fourth and fifth graders really love that. Um, and I just finished a book, um, or I'm almost done with an audiobook that's also middle grade, like fourth and fifth grade called The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrise really good. It's about a girl and her dad who um, basically travel around in a school bus and all the people that they meet. It's really a fun book. So those are some of my uh, top ones for fourth and fifth grade, but I'll give you her whole list in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's so helpful. I love this list. I'm going to save this and and definitely 
um, refer to it for the next few years. So thank you. And I know you post, I love when you post your little tiles with all the books that you've read. You read so much, Kelly. You, how many books do you read a year? Around 50. Oh, okay. I would have guessed more. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. I read like 10. Yeah. That is a ton. Yeah. But I would, you post, yeah. I feel like you're always posting so many books that you read. And I, so I want to, I want to let our listeners know where to find you on Instagram so they can go through and see all your book recommendations that you post yes. throughout your the year. So what is your yeah. Instagram feed? Yeah. So my, um, my personal Instagram is Kelly Hiltz one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I post my book recommendations that I read for adult books. And then if you want my kid recommendations and just my like teaching parenting content, I'm at ask a teacher mom ah, okay. spelled out like ask a teacher mom. So um, I kind of, I probably should post, if you want to just follow me on ask a teacher mom, I'll try to actually put my um, adult recommendations on there too. Cause I probably should do that. But right now they're in two different spots. Okay. Yeah. That would be really helpful for one place to go to for your kids. Yeah. And yeah. I'll do that on ask a teacher mom. I'll start doing that. That's a good idea. Well, is there anything else that we're missing that we should have chatted about while I have you? Um, let's <laughs> see. I don't think so. I think, I think that's it. Yeah. Covered a lot. So that was so helpful. Thanks so much, Kelly. Yeah. We really appreciate your time. Glad we finally figured out the technical difficulties. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being patient with that. Oh, of course. <laughs> that's what you have to do when you have a podcast. You have to be patient. Yes, so for you sure. understand. All right, yes. Kelly, thanks so much. And we'll talk right. to you soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. On to mom wins and favorite. Actually, you know what? scratch that before we get into mom wins you know kelly was telling us or telling me about her favorite books and how she posts them on instagram and i know we often post our books on our instagram um page for our dietitians dish podcast instagram but because we're talking about reading and books what has been i guess your favorite one or two books in the past year or recently or even ever do you want to just give your a couple that you've been really oh, you enjoying. had to add ever. Oh my I'm gosh. I'm sorry. I know that's just too much pressure. Not ever. Just what are your favorites these days? Okay. I've got three. Okay. Currently reading The Perfect Couple by Ellen Hildebrand. Uh, it's like a murder mystery. Her writing is just great. It bounces all around in all the best ways. Uh, I mentioned it on the show, but all uh, The Things We Cannot Say, which is historical fiction by Kelly Rimmer. Loved that book. And then a recent book club book uh, that our whole crew loved is Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And Taylor Jenkins Reid is also the um, author who wrote uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which is also a wonderful book. Yeah, I remember you liking that book. I have, I yeah. think I have all those in my cart, just kind of waiting for someone to stop reading them so I can have them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate it when that happens where I'll start reading a book and then the book that I've been waiting yeah. finally becomes available. And then I'm like, well, I'm already, you know, a good, you know, three chapters into this book. I need to finish this one first. Anyway. Are these hard copy books or Kindle books? Kindle, Kindle books. Turn it on airplane mode. No, I do. I just, I'm not like you. I don't read more than one book at a time. So I, it's like I had to finish. No, what I'm saying is, okay, so I just started reading a book about, I don't know, seven days ago that I'm, I'm into. And just yesterday, Malibu Rising finally became available. But I'm not going to, are you saying check it out and then turn on airplane mode? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. It would, I'm such a slow reader. But then reader. it would take the other it, one, right? I don't know if it would. I think you can have, I don't know, three or four at a time. But I would just feel guilty having two on airplane mode. I don't know. but. 
it will still take it. You can, this book will still go to the next person. They just can't take the copy from you. Oh, okay. I recently learned that too, because I had guilt about it. And then somebody told me that and I was like, oh, I don't feel bad at all then. Yeah. I will read as slowly as I like. (laughs) All right. That's, that's good to know. So, okay. I told you that my reading this year has just not been great. I, for my birthday, I know I mentioned this. I, I had my, my, husband and my family, they they all went to the bookstore and they got me A Promised Land by Barack Obama because I really wanted to read it. They brought it home and I'm like, holy cow, this book is, it's gargantuan. It's gigantic. So I literally don't think I would ever be able to actually finish that book. So I decided to download it on audiobooks. So I've been listening to it and I just really love Barack's voice. It's just so calming and soothing. I just, you know, we'll walk, walk across campus and listen to it and I'm just really, really enjoying it. So that's really all I got right now. Um, yeah, A Promised Land by Barack Obama. It's just highly recommend. I'm already eight hours into it. Just really enjoying it. Hmm. All right, mom wins favorite new product or recipes. Do you want me to go first? Um, Sure, yeah. Okay. I've so, got a few rolling around in, in my brain. I'll choose. <laughs> All right, air fryer zucchini. Yesterday, Nick made us sort of a harvest dinner with our eggplant. He made eggplant parmesan and then he sliced zucchini and made air fryer zucchini, which basically is just like anything you would kind of fry uh, with, with panko. You would put it in some type of an egg wash then you roll it around in cheese and panko crumbs and then put it in the air fryer. I will link to a recipe in our show notes, but they were loved by all, I will say. Awesome. Um, I made smoothie bowls tonight uh, right before we hopped on the show. Kind of random, uh, but yeah, they seem to go over really well. And I we really emphasized the toppings. So I cut up some really fun stuff uh, like dragon fruit and star fruit. And uh, Shay goes, oh, yeah, we have dragon fruit at, at camp all the time. And I was like, oh, excuse me, because I just paid $5 for this because <laughs> I wanted a pretty picture from my blog. And you're eating this as well. Okay. Awesome. I had no idea, but she really liked it. We put granola, almonds, chia seeds, um, kind of like all sorts of fun toppings. And I was sure that the, uh, cause you gave me the idea actually on our no cook summer meals. Um, and tonight was a crunch time wise. So I was sure to include lots of, um, healthy fat and some protein in the smoothie. I did an avocado with, um, a can of uh, full fat coconut milk and Greek yogurt with just blueberries, almond milk, banana, mango, straw, a few strawberries. Um, yeah, it was great. Yum. That sounds so good. Yum. Yeah. All right. Guess what? We got a review. This one was from NYR in Ohio, which I'm assuming stands for New Yorker in Ohio. And it says, good information, fun chat. I like the information. I can relate to the dietitian in Columbus because I live there and we vacation in Southwestern Michigan. Um, Whoever you are, let's meet up and have a chat and give us some ideas about what you want to hear on our podcast. So thank you so much for that review. Coming up on August 8th, we will be dishing about Kids Eat Right Month with our girls. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, everyone. Until next time, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.